Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to talk about whether you should ever marry somebody um, when sex is not good with them when you are dating. And um, really, what does that even mean? Because there's plenty of people I meet that say, oh, yeah, sex was great when we were dating. And then we talk about it, and it wasn't. Um, and, and, and in very obvious ways, that could have saved them a lot of trouble had they paid attention. Before we get to this topic, which I know you are on the edge of your seat to learn about, please do subscribe. My most recent subscriber episode was about hand jobs, everybody's favorite thing that isn't a blowjob <laughs> um, or sex. So, and sometimes better than either. And we will talk about when and where and how, you know, where you could figure out, but the other ones. And um, lots and lots of other subscriber episodes over probably now. God knows, but 125 or so. Okay, so moving on. Should you ever marry somebody thinking that sex will get better or or that, that sex is, you know, fine and uh, so it's not going to be a problem? Okay, what does this look like? Because y'all like examples, as everybody does, a lot more than just abstractions. Okay, so for example, a man is dating a woman and she never has an orgasm. And he brings it up and she doesn't really care to have an orgasm. Is this a good sign? Why is their sex life good? Can anybody say it with me? Honeymoon stage. So honeymoon stage, a man could be fucking a cantaloupe and it would be fine, you know? Because his hormones are racing, his adrenaline is high, he's got a lot of oxytocin in the bloodstream, the cuddle hormone, he's visualizing a life with her, he's big romantic, so... Does he understand that it's like, you know, not ideal that she doesn't have an orgasm? Yeah, sure. But he's not thinking with his brain. He's thinking with his dick and his heart, you know, and he's telling himself that this is not bad because sex is good. What does sex is good mean? Well, later on after the honeymoon stage fades and for people with more sexual experience at the get-go, it means that two people are involved in the sex life, they are engaged, they are present, and they are both interested in giving and receiving pleasure in a reciprocal, mutual kind of way. Now, am I saying that no woman who has an orgasm can be a good wife? Certainly not. But if you very much value sex, this is not a good sign. It's just not. Why? Because she doesn't care. (laughs) You know, like if I said a woman hasn't had an orgasm and so we're really, you know, using a lot of new techniques and we're discovering it and she got close once and she was really excited and then, um, you know, then not, but, you know, we're still trying. Yeah, that's a different kind of thing. She's interested in her own sexuality. Do I think people have to be interested in their sexuality to be loving partners? No. But they do within if the other person's very interested in their sexuality and in sex in general. It's like anything. Like people just like they 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 don't see that it's like every other thing. Like if you're into physical fitness, don't marry a couch potato. If you're into looking at art in museums, don't marry somebody who doesn't get art. That's the best analogy, right? Or music, right? So if forget about orgasm, not orgasm. If you like music. You don't want somebody who goes to a concert and is like, oh, huh, good. I guess that was a good one. Great. 
And then they just never listen to music. They don't give a shit. They don't seem to feel the music. They don't seem to be moved by the music. They don't seem to be happy from the music. They don't have any favorite songs. They don't uh, care what you put on. If you're really into music, that's not going to do it for you. You're always going to feel like you're from different species. And that's what I'm trying to get at. If you feel like your partner does not even, and really, by the way, this is both genders. I was going to say, if you don't feel like they really even understand what you mean by good sex or valuing sex or prioritizing sex, then it's not a good fit. But And this also happens with women for their male partners. So there's a lot of women who are much kinkier and more adventurous than the man is. He just wants to have missionary sex, a little kissing before, maybe doggy style, and that's it. And he's done. There's no like mental component. There's no erotic component to it. You know, it's, um, I did the podcast and I have a post on erotic blueprints. So that really overlaps with this. If your erotic blueprint is kinky or, um, sensual, and then you're with somebody who's just sexual straight up, it's not going to work. You know, like it's really not going to work long term. And maybe that can work certainly better than somebody who's just not into it really at all. So when guys end up in my office later on, uh, and I say guys because most of the time, 80% of the time, um, guys are in this situation. In my office, it's two-thirds of the time. Um, so I'll just use guys. I'll make an example for women too, I guess. Um, the The point is guys come in and they're like, yeah, sex was great when we were dating. So I'm like, oh, what does that look like? She never said no. Well, did she ever initiate? No, she never initiated. Did she ever give you head? No, she never went down on me. That's something she just doesn't do. And I knew that from the beginning. And that was fine. Why was that fine? By the way, why was that fine? Oh, well, you know, um, because, uh, you know, and what's the reason literally always? Because they had no self-esteem because they grew up with a mother, usually sometimes a father, who was a difficult person, a fragile person. They got used to dealing with and walking on eggshells around somebody who's rigid and difficult around myriad issues. And then so it makes sense to them to be dating in the only 20s they're ever going to have to be dating a woman who really doesn't like their penis. You know, I mean, I mean, it makes sense because you know what? We don't get to have these kind of things. That's the mantra of the dysfunctional family. We don't have things like that. You know, we don't have, we, we can't have things other people have. So while they know intellectually that there must be other men out there who are getting blowjobs from their girlfriends or who are getting girlfriends who initiate sex or seem to enjoy it or have an orgasm or like do even the things, you know, crazy things like things that they look up in porn, you know, they just think this isn't meant for them. It feels a lot more familiar to be with somebody who has a million problems around everything and you have to do everything exactly just right for them to give you any tiny taste of what you want. And of course, this is true with the gender inverse. So women will come in and say, guy never went down on me. Guy never went down on you. You know, I mean, I did a whole podcast about this. This is not usual. Guys love to do shit like that. Guys are more sexual. They have more testosterone. They have lower disgust. They have lower inhibition around sex. So to get a guy who doesn't go down on you, you got to be a special kind of person. And that kind of person is called an enabler of a difficult man. Something that you probably learned as a kid watching your mother with your father or vice versa. It doesn't always go along gender lines. So the point is, is if you're not having awesome sex when you're dating, and of course it can get even more awesome after you get married for some, particularly in the early years, if you're really learning about each other's bodies. 
before kids come into the mix, et cetera, or with a renaissance after the kids get older. You know, that's some people, and I've discussed what a healthy sex life looks like in a different podcast, but if sex is just kind of never exactly what you want and you're always like waiting for it to be even kind of okay, and the best part of it is that they don't say no, don't marry that person, you know? You're just gonna end up with a big therapy bill later on, you know? And is that, does that mean that sex is only the only important thing in marriage? Certainly not. But you know what? Having kids isn't the only part of marriage either, but you would divorce on that, not divorce, you would choose not to marry somebody if they didn't want kids and you did. So, right? I mean, like anything, like being employed isn't the only part of being married, but if somebody during the dating phase said, you know what, I don't want to work like at all, you'd be like, what the fuck, right? I mean, and probably not be with them anymore. Like there's just certain things that are not the sum entity. They're, they're not the sum total of the entity of marriage, but they're like important, you know, like they're certainly important and sex is one of them. And if you've been raised in a religious or a sex negative home as a man um, then especially as a woman, but even as a man, because men have higher sex drives, you may think that like, well, it's not reasonable to expect some sort of good woman to also be sexual. That's some bullshit. I, you know, work with a lot of people and it, whether you have a high libido, it really doesn't have to do with religion. Sometimes, I mean, it makes it harder, you know, to be sex positive if you were raised in a super like purity culture environment or something, certainly. But I've dealt with people who are like Orthodox Jewish, who are religious Catholic and other religions, Muslim as well. It's based on the person. There's high libido women and men of uh, obviously of of every religion. So so it doesn't mean that like you can't get a woman who's like a good or even religious woman, if that's important to you, that is going to be sex positive within marriage. Now, some people say, well, we didn't have sex at all before marriage. Well, I can't help you people, you know, like you're doing it to yourself there. Like I can't, I can't help you. It's like saying like, you know, getting like a business consultant in and being like, I refuse to do interviews for my positions. So then I end up with all of these people that don't know how to do the job. It's like, okay, well, I know one way to fix that, but like you're kind of putting me in an impossible situation here because, you know, it's kind of like I did a whole podcast on help rejecting complainers, you know? So like if you're mean, if you are, here's, here's the truth of it. If you are truly that religious that you do not want to have sex before marriage because it's against your religion, then you got a, a bigger fish to fry, I guess. Then you're living a very different kind of life post-marriage you are living, you go into church or synagogue, whatever you're doing. And uh, you, this is the point. The point is to have children and to raise them in the same religion, to be like a pious person. In that case, I, maybe it's not that important that you don't get a blowjob, you know? I mean, maybe it is completely on a different plane, a different spiritual plane of existence that doesn't truck with what I see in my office. But I mean, you you can have both things, right? Like you cannot have sex before marriage, but also somehow magically want sex to be good after marriage. Because the people that want to have good sex lives sometimes, and this is something that I've heard from many people, decide not to listen <laughs> to that rule of religion. It's a pretty big factor. They want to explore, you know, their sexuality. They want to have boyfriends and girlfriends. They want to be physically intimate. 
You could do plenty of things without sex, you know? So, so I guess for some people, the compromise is they do, quote, everything but. And then for some reason, they think that God likes oral sex better than, than intercourse. Maybe God's like every man. <laughs> so, you know, so, so then they say, okay, we're doing everything but. And the person is very, um, you know, giving good and game or whatever, GGG. And uh, do, doing this stuff, doing everything but. So good. So that is a good green flag, right? So you're doing everything but, and the person's really into it. They have orgasms. They give you orgasms. Everything's cool. So that's that's like a compromise, I guess. So you know what? Even if they end up hating intercourse, you can do all these other things, right? So that seems like, like something that people used to do also. You know, um, not all the oral, because that's only in recent generations. That's not like in the 50s. That was more intercourse. But people used to dry hump at least a lot, you know. And uh, if a girl can get off when you're dry humping, then she's probably not going to be that sex negative later on. Or at least we know she has a libido of some sort. So, you know, you got to kind of think rationally. If you are dating, now, most of the people that I'm talking to are not going to be dating in their 20s. They're the people who are dating again after divorce. So in this case, if the sex life is not great, get out. What do you, how many marriages do you need, you know, to the, where things are not good, right? So if you're not having good sex when you're dating, you give it a few more times, a few, you know, maybe a few more weeks, months, something, but don't marry somebody where the sex is not great. Because at that stage of the game, certainly you have one life and you. why would you want to be with somebody where they did not share a similar value? It's like being a foodie that's with somebody who likes to, you know, not eat, you know, like, why would you do that? There's, it's foolish. Like sex is something that you enjoy, that you, that you delight in, that is a big part of who you are, at least, you know, in whatever stage of your life you're in understanding it's not the sum total again of, of a relationship but that it, it is a big important part and so why would you compromise on that that one seems to make people the most unhappy to compromise on particularly males you know so hopefully this was uh interesting for you guys and again like because when people are very sex negative, not that a lot of super sex negative people listen to me because they would not like my podcast, but that's like, remember, as I told you, if you're trying to share my stuff with your partner and they don't like it, cool, don't keep forcing it down their throat, right? Just try to share some of the, you know, the moral of the story like that you got from the podcast in your own words. Don't bombard them with my stuff if they don't like it, right? So in this case... You know, I mean, there might not be much to say to a partner who's sex negative on the part about we shouldn't have got married. I mean, like that, that's not what you would want to share. But what you could share is something about, you know, what, what it really is for me. It's kind of like, you know, a foodie being with somebody who doesn't really like to go out to eat. You know, so that's more what it is. I feel like there's like a big part of me that can't be understood by you. And it would be very meaningful to me if you could try to empathize with that situation, with that this is a big core part of me. And I know it's never been a big core part of you. I realize that now that I was kind of wishing it was and it wasn't. But, you know, maybe with work, maybe if we go to therapy, maybe if we go to, you know, a sexologist, a couples counselor, whatever. 
then we can try to get to somewhere that's in between where you can understand how big of a deal this is to me and try a little bit to get outside your comfort zone. And I can try to empathize with how kind of you don't really perceive this as anything that is even a remote part of your identity. A lot of guys struggle with that. They struggle with it. They think those things like if she's not getting it from me, she must be getting it from someone else and something like that. In reality, the woman just dislikes it. Like, what you know, and she feels she's been consistently on brand saying that pretty much from the beginning. I mean, she she didn't like it much ever. And she certainly didn't say to the guy, boy, that sucked after every time of intercourse because she felt like it was pretty obvious she wasn't that into it and that he loved her anyway. And sex is not a big part of a relationship. And, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes it can be very transformative for men to even understand that and validate that in their wife's, you know, that, that that's how their wife felt. Because otherwise she keeps feeling like, but man, I was never into sex. Like, what is it with you? Of course, we did it more at the beginning. You wanted to do it more at the beginning. And I was young. Everything worked a little different. There was no pain. There was no nothing. We had no kids. Sure, I did it with you more. But of course, I never really liked it. Didn't you see that? Like, didn't you know that? I thought that was understood. And meanwhile, the guy had deluded himself that things were very different than they were. Even if, for example, she never orgasmed or she never asked to do it. Two pretty big indicators, but if you're young and you want to think different, and as I said, a key key takeaway from this is if you are used to dealing with, if, if you grew up in a home where things were just kind of different and worse for your family and that was like a culture of your family, like we don't get to have nice things, then, you know, that's kind of what you end up doing and who you end up marrying. Somebody who can't give you, quote, nice things because you don't really think you deserve them And you've never really been somebody who has thought that you would get these good or nice things that other people got, whether they're sexual or emotional or anything else. All right. Well, I I hope this left you with something to think about and I will talk to everybody soon. Bye bye, guys.